Hello, and welcome to Make My Multiversity, the best podcast in our universe for exploring the Marvel multiverse. I'm Jake Hill. And I'm Elias Rosner. And this week we're back with another Baseline X, the slow climb to Marvel Mania, and who watches the Watcher Dude? Excelsior. Excelsior. Uh, well, we're going to be getting into it. Uh, I'm pretty excited with where we're going later in this episode, but uh, I think we should start off like we always do with uh, talking about X-Men because we could not go a month without talking about this stuff. It's really yeah incredible. I'm surprised we've been able to keep it up this long, but I'm also not surprised because, you know, color-coded lists are the only way to stay up to date. I mean, the color coding is not exactly primo podcast content, but the lists are really good, I think. We try. We try. We're not we're not quite uh, IGN levels, but... IGN, is that like who you hold up to as your uh, pinnacle of list making? <laughs> I wouldn't I call my, it pinnacle. I think my tone gives away uh, my feelings about that. Uh, for, for Baseline X, for those who are uh, just joining us now for the first time, uh, Elias and I are really into um, the Krakoa era of X-Men, the uh, books by Jonathan Hickman, Teeny Howard, and the gang. And so we've been tracking uh, our feelings about the books every month. And we have been ranking them in what Elias likes to call Baseline X. And because I'm not good at thinking of or committing to titles, I uh, also call that. Um, Shade. (laughs) You know my position on titles. I do know your position. Um, So here's how it's going to work. We're going to start from um, our bottom ranked X book and we're going to alternate back and forth. I'm going to give mine. Elias is going to give his. And then we're going to go back to the bottom and we're going to talk about anything that moved or any uh, significant... uh, addition notes etc and react to each other's list because usually we strongly disagree yeah usually <laughs> and other times we agree pretty well on at least at least one book but the for anyone who is brand new to the podcast uh this list does include every single concluded series that is considered part of the x line we can never no longer call it the dawn of x line because they have moved beyond that title so from house of x powers of 10 all the way up to the uh most recent month that we have covered uh those series are there which means that in addition to having stuff like x-men fantastic four we now have sword um yeah sword the latest series to join the list but that will become of note when we do the list so i guess i'm going to start with my number 17 my bottom ranked book Mm -hmm. and that is Fallen Angels. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Mine is also Fallen Angels. Listeners to this podcast will note that uh, that's a big surprise to Elias. My number 16 book is Wolverine. And uh, we're back in sync, Wolverine. Um, my 15 book is X-Force. Interesting. I've got giant size here. Uh, my 14th ranked book is X-Men Fantastic Four. And I'm same, same brain. Uh, my 13th ranked book is Giant Size X-Men. And that's where I have Juggernaut. Interesting. My number 12 is Empire X-Men. That's where I've got Empire X-Men as well. Wow. Uh, that's very interesting. <laughs> uh, my number 11 book is Juggernaut. Uh, that's where I have X-Force. Wow. Okay, well, now yeah, we're going to Which is surprisingly in... high now that I'm really looking at it. Yeah, well, we're going to get into uh, our top 10s now. So my number 10 is Cable. Oh, same brain. Um, here is a real heartbreaker for me. My number nine this month is X Factor. Oh, what? Oh, yeah, that's a huge departure from oh, uh, no. last month. We're going to have to get into that. My number nine is New Mutants. Uh, New Mutants is my number eight. 
All right, and that's where I have Sword. Number seven is where I have uh, the X-Men, the series proper. I've got Excalibur at number seven. Um, for me, Excalibur is at number six. And that's where I've got Hellions, Helians, Hulians. <laughs> at number five, I have the now-concluded X of Swords event, Ten of Swords. Ooh. Uh, I have uh, everyone's, you know, pretty decent title, Marauders. Oh, that was a literal knife through my heart. At number four, <laughs> I have Hulians, Hellions, Helians. Uh, at number four, I've got X-Men. At number three, I have S-W-O-R-D, Sword. And at number three, I've got Ten of Swords. Um, at number two, I have the uh, classic, the masterpiece, House of X, Powers of Ten. And that's where I have the modern masterpiece in the making, X-Factor. Um, and number one, I have um, the best superhero book Marvel is putting out right now, and maybe the best traditional superhero book ever published, Marauders. And as is no surprise to anyone who knows my opinions here, House of X, Powers of Ten, still reigning champ, still at the top. So Well, I guess the thing to start with is, yeah, um, for, for many months, uh, Wolverine has been my, since August of 2020, Wolverine has been my lowest ranked X-Books and Fallen Angels has been uh, number two. But this month, Wolverine clawed itself to second worst. <laughs> it's such a high, high, high peak. This is for two reasons. One is I had a friend read Fallen Angels recently, and I was uh, doing my shtick where I kind of defend Fallen Angels because they hadn't read it yet. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, it was a reminder of how bad that book was, even <laughs> though I, I try to remember some good things. And this month's Wolverine, uh, there were some moments that I kind of enjoyed. Uh, the most recent issue, uh, Gabby Kinney showed up, and she and um, her brother Dokken got to menace Omega Red. That was fine. Yeah. I mean, that was my feeling about this 350th issue. It was fine, and but that's also why it fell back down for me. Uh, it was higher because I really enjoyed the Ten of Swords chapters, but this one, it didn't feel particularly momentous, and a lot more the same, and I, I mean, it's serviceable. It's a serviceable book, but it's not reaching there... for anything, and... This was, I think, the first issue of Wolverine that felt like it belonged in the Krakoa era. But even there, I'm like, this is an issue of X-Force. Yeah, some of it took place on Krakoa, and those were the parts that I liked. Why is there a suburban schlub character named, what is it, Jeff Bannister or something? I don't know. Oh, he was introduced earlier. I think yeah, he's no, an X-Force character. Around. But just, like, why is this a character that needs to be in this book? Yeah, why, why does Wolverine have to keep checking in with this guy? Like, why right, can't Wolverine just be, like, really disaffected? The, the, well, the, uh, there's other X characters he could be checking in on that already exist. Or you could, like, uh, do it from the perspective, of, I don't know, of a character who has a perspective. This guy has a, is, like, a, a mid-level spy who's not really observing Krakoa. And that's why he's around. I... Yeah, still don't love Wolverine. Um, what was the... Uh... You know, oh, the fact the next... that X-Factor dropped? Um, I guess X-Factor did drop. Well, X-Factor dropping has less to do with Problems with X-Factor, which is an awesome book, and more to do with I was really thrilled by the most recent issue of New Mutants because uh, there is a new creative team, and I thought that book was really thrilling. Yeah. And that's, that's why, for me, New Mutants uh, climbed its way back up from... I don't know, being being a little bit farther down than than I may have may have liked before. Um, oh no, New Mutants actually fell for me. 
but that's because Sword kind of uh, jumped back up. No, yeah, no uh, disrespect yeah. to uh, to X Factor. X pretty much everything in the top nine has good months and bad months. Um, well, I guess that's not true. But this, if New Mutants is going to stay at, as good as it is with Vida Yala writing it, then it's definitely going to have a place in the top ten. Yeah, it's and, definitely uh, going to make its way further up. Yeah, and Rod Reese has been my favorite artist at Marvel, uh, and all his work on New Mutants is fantastic. But with Vida Yala, that book was just like crack-a-lacking. That book was awesome. I love that it's uh, meeting a bunch of different goals at once. You have uh, the classic New Mutants characters, and they're mentoring the next generation. And and also, then it becomes the school book, which was lacking. There wasn't a book about the students of Krakoa. It just seems like so obvious. I'm just really excited for this new new creative team and uh i know it's been a few months but i i need to walk back my original assessment of rod reese partially because i thought rod reese was uh fraser irving whose art i'm not as much a fan of but rod reese very much enjoying all of the modern stuff and when he was not doing stuff for new mutants i was extremely sad yeah uh, although there was lots of fun artists on new mutants but yeah, yeah rod reese is tremendous i was just sad not to knock the other artists um, yeah, the X Factor is just, I put it up against every book above it, and it just came out below. I, I, I challenged it, because then my next one up is X-Men, and X-Men is continuing to be fantastic, and it has gotten really good lately with the election stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The only, so, for longtime listeners, X-Men has been sitting at number two for basically the entire time, uh, and this, I think, is the first time, uh, no, Ten of Swords surpassed it last time. But that's because I thought the Ten of Swords chapter of X-Men was weaker than the event as a whole. But X-Factor, I've kind of been waiting for it to bust out of the gate uh, and get a few more issues under under its belt. And uh, this month just did it. This month recaptured the magic of the issues pre-Ten of Swords. Because the Ten of Swords issues were good, but they were more set up. For everything else, it wasn't X-Factor being X-Factor, and I'm just so excited to see what this team is up to and what's going on, and David Balzadua, not David. Um, David Baldion? Thank you. I was mixing, I was mixing uh, Jan Balzadua and, and Baldion. God. It happens to the best of us yeah. every day. Baldion, I, I love this team. I'm so excited. I'm just really pumped. <laughs> it, I yeah, I love the team. Just uh, we got we got X Factor. I was so enthusiastic about New Mutants. I love the uh, election direction for X Men. Excalibur was really strong this month. I love uh, mm-hmm. dealing with the fallout of Ten of Swords. And uh, I have a new theory about Excalibur about why it's so fun. Oh, what is it? Um, I've been trying to find exactly the word I'm looking for, but it starts where I love that um, Rogue and Gambit are so counterintuitive of the. Uh, of who you'd expect on an Excalibur team, because Excalibur is British. They deal with, like, stuffy politics and fairy tales and, and whimsy. And um, Rogue and Gambit are both from, like, the the American South. They're both, like, poor, and they're both, like, uh, criminals on the run. They're, like, outlaws. And then a bunch of the other characters are also kind of like these, uh, 
low-class outlaws, because, like, Jubilee is, like, introduced living homeless in a shopping mall, and Richter is introduced as, like, his, he's from a family of gunrunners, and he just doesn't fit in. And it's all these people who are, like, as far as you can get from, like, stuffy British fairy tale stuff, getting to have, like, a groovy fairy tale adventure. And I think that's what's so fun about it, is it's all the least likely characters to be living in England for some reason. And it makes for that good, good interpersonal drama. Yeah, like, exactly. And they, they chafe so much with their situation. Because, like, right, like, seeing Rogue having to deal with, like, druids and fairies and elves is always classic. Yeah, she's having none of it. Exactly, yeah. Rogue is uh, not equipped to deal with elves, so she just deals with, like, any reasonable person by yelling at them for being really <laughs> annoying. Um, yeah, I, I don't have much to say about any of the other books. Like, uh, Hellions and Marauders are consistently fantastic and only getting more interesting as they get on go on and i know interesting is a really bad word but especially in hellions's case it is like interesting like developing interest is like the central core of that especially when you're dealing with mr hot goss himself sinister it also feels very hellions feels very throwbacky to me like the most recent issue i've read involved um uh, the team flying on, like, a cool jet that gets shot down by a mysterious assailant. <laughs> yeah. And that's the premise of just about every Rob Liefeld comic of the 90s. <laughs> so I like it. It's, it's like kind of like this throwbacky 90s action book feel, uh, which is totally fun. Yeah, especially when it's one of other books instead of being all the books. Right, yeah, I would not like it if every X-Men book was like Hellions, but it's a, it's a worthy flavor um, to be part of the, the overall buffet. Mm -hmm. um, I also, you mentioned Marauders, and I, I, my opinions of Marauders are well known. I just want to mention that the most recent issue um, was one of my, it was just, there's like a three or four issues of Marauders that have really been my favorites, and this was one. The issue where um, Kate and Emma finally get their re revenge upon Shaw together uh, for... Uh, Kate and Emma relationship reasons, I really loved it, but also I love the renegade superhero morality where it's not doing the same tired questions about whether or not superheroes are really just vigilantes and whether or not they should kill each other, and I, I'm finding that all really tedious, and I really like the Marauder story of this revenge. It's supposed to feel good. The book is very clear about what it's about. It doesn't have to question it, and it's telling it's the pirate story. book. Right, and so it's, it's like, it's gonna have pirate morality, and it's not, like, asking the question, like, oh, but is it really okay to, like, torture and brainwash Sebastian Shaw? It's like, nope, we created a villain so that it was okay to do this, that's how we wrote it. I just thought that it was a fantastic issue. Do, does it matter? Not in this case. It's not well, Batman I mean, it, it, doing it. It totally matters, it's just, it's a delightful thing, because Sebastian Shaw is a rich asshole, and we all have, like, a fantasy of getting vengeance upon rich assholes, and taking their resources to use it to do things that they wouldn't like. Yeah, especially in a way that's not wastefully simple. Uh, certainly. Well, that's yeah, and it's a emotionally uh, complex. Exactly. Uh, but we also have to talk about, um, I had Sword at number three. I was very impressed with the Sword's debut. Yeah, I had it more mid-tier, but that's just because it's really hard. It gets... By this point, I have pretty well stratified these titles into good, amazing, eh, and then the perpetual loners at the bottom. So yeah, there, there's a sh shape being... I could see a, a shape forming on both of our lists. Yeah, and so Sword... 
it did not impress me as much as like the first issue with X Factor or even like Hellions did, but that's only because I think this is a series that needs a few issues under its belt before I go, okay, I think I know what's going on. The second part of what you said is totally fair, and because I there's yeah there's a lot that still hasn't been said, but the first part of what you said is utter madness. This was the best first issue, like in terms of doing what a first issue should do. Oh, this yes. was this was uh, fantastic, probably the best first issue of any of the seventeen series. Uh... X Men had a really good first issue. Uh, Marauders had quite a good first issue, but it didn't really uh, pick up until the second issue. But like, what else even? Um, uh, House of X had a really good first issue. But yeah, like, you can't like, really argue that House of X had a bad first issue. No, that's true. But, like, I think uh, Sword comes maybe uh, one of the closest to House of X. Yeah. Of, of a really good first issue. Yeah, um, it had so many characters to introduce and so many big concepts, but, like, it really uh, took you to each corner of what the book is going to touch upon, and you're confident that it's going to get the room it needs to tell this story. Oh, yeah. Right? I yeah. don't think it's going to get canceled at this point. You don't think Sword's going to get canceled? I, I'm sure that they are like, uh, we're going to do it for 12 to 18 issues and we're going to like feel it out and we'll check back in in a year. Mm. I'm sure that, that it was pitched like something like that, but Ewing has a version of the story for different lengths is what I'm saying. Yeah, I think a lot of his titles, they all have that, which is, which is good. It means we'll get either a good short story, a good long story, or a good medium-sized story. All right, depends. but... Uh, he he likes going in knowing the length of the story he's going to tell, and he's going to write it to that. Um, yeah. I also, just if we're like getting excited about obs- obscure X characters, uh, the ones who I entered that issue excited about were not the ones who I left being excited about. Ooh, really? Yeah, like I went in there really excited about um, Manifold. Yeah. Uh, but he didn't have a lot to do in that first issue. Not really. But I didn't go in that first issue excited about WizKid or Fabian Cortez, and I was delighted by both of them. <laughs> and I really love Frenzy's role. I was very excited about uh, the role Frenzy's going to be playing as the new diplomat of Earth. Yeah, that is exciting. I think I'm just, I'm still, my head's still reeling from whatever happened near the end, because I was getting serious Secret Wars shield flashbacks. Um, Hickman's own uh, Ultimates, not Hickman's, uh, Ewing's own Ultimates. Yeah, I still haven't read that. Oh, yeah, this is exactly, uh, in Ultimates, they're constantly, like, doing heists on forces of the universe and stuff. Oh, boy. Yeah, good stuff. Um, good stuff. But I, I like that that there's that element of the book, but that's not all that there is, because there's also just, like, space opera stuff, and there's mutant politics stuff, and there's interpersonal stuff. It feels like Star Trek is what it feels like. There's even the color-coded department uniforms. <laughs> Yeah, it's the space book. We didn't have a space book. New Mutants tried to be the space book, but then Brisson dragged it back down to Earth. Oh, well, but Marvel never really has like a Star Trek kind of book. There's no Marvel organization that's like a federation where there's a ship and ranks and everybody knows their different roles in the organization. And it's about uh, and and it's like an office drama where everyone's trying to do oh. their job really well. Because right? yeah. no, uh, sp- Guardians is like pirates. And then what, like Nova is cops. You don't really get a spaceship book. Yeah. And Nova's never been, like, a detective. It's always been, like, procedural. Yeah, that's true. Nova's more like a beat cop. Than and then you've, got, then you've got Thor, which is Marvel Cosmic, but that's its own beast. Right, there's never a book where, like, Thor is the captain, and then, like, Fandral is the morale officer. They definitely used to have... Micronauts. Micronauts. I think Micronauts, yeah, Micronauts might have been the closest. Spaceship. 
Yeah, yeah, Micronauts is close. I don't think Marvel owns Micronauts anymore. No, they lost that license because Hasbro. Same, right, right. same thing with I, ROM. Yeah, I think IDW's punish, published. Yeah. But uh, Micronaut <laughs> characters created for the series by Bill Mantelo, I think, are yes. owned by Marvel. Uh, one of those characters is Bug, who was uh, prominently on the early Guardians of the Galaxy uh, comics before the movie. Huh. Interesting. I'm guessing there was a movie rights problem is why we never saw him. Or they really wanted to focus on whatever Team Gun picked. Um, I, that's also definitely just... He, uh, he could have picked Bug. And furthermore, the first time the Guardians movie team appears in the comics, like clearly inspired by the movie with the new costumes and the uh, the red leather jackets and stuff. I shouldn't have gotten was, you started on this. Just what do you, what do you even bother, Elias? Um, was a 2012 comic called Avengers Assemble. It was also written to be a tie-in to the movie, which was in theaters at that time. It was written by Bendis. It was like this big thing, and they're like, Thanos is coming back. It's the Avengers from the movie. But the very first thing they do is they team up with what will be James Gunn's Guardians, but Bug is there, making me believe that in the earliest drafts of that script, Bug was going to be on the team, and they replaced him. Oh. He fights Oof. Thanos. It's really bad. Then Kelly Sue DeConnick takes over, and it becomes excellent, and it's totally forgotten underrated comic sword is really good and that's my baseline x and with that we should probably go to break and when we come back we will be bringing our marvel predictions excelsior hello we're the hosts of the multiversity manga club podcast i'm emily i'm zach and i'm walter each month we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves past books include monster a Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz Anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions from future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And welcome back. Uh, what we are got in store for y'all now is something that I'm going to be calling the Diary of Destiny. The reason I'm calling it that, Elias, as I'm sure you've been wondering, I have is, been. Uh, uh, what we're going to be doing right now is we're going to be uh, making predictions. We're going to be looking forward to the new year. I know this episode's coming out in, I think, uh, February. Um, uh, yeah. So... Uh, but we are recording this in January, which I'm noting in case things happen between recording and airing of this episode. But Elias and I have 10 predictions of things we think are going to happen at Marvel this year. Either things that are going to happen within the books, like uh, to the characters, or things that are going to happen to the company, like uh, certain people getting hired, or uh, certain things happening with the movies, or the TV shows, or what have you. Mm -hmm. And every time one of our predictions comes true, we're going to get a point. And at the end of the year, uh, whoever's got the most points... Um, we don't have to read their least favorite Marvel comic for book club, which means, yes, in the future, we're going to be reading a bad book for our monthly book club. Yeah. Um, Elias, do you want to do you think we should mention what those books are at the beginning at the top of this? Um, you know what? Yeah, let's let's lay the stakes out. Yeah. So will you, Elias, tell us what your like least favorite Marvel comic is? Really awful pick, just like a real stinker. I saw what you picked, and I do not look forward to reading this if I win. So if whoever wins, we both lose. Yeah, uh, but exactly. Why, why do you hate this book so much? I so I picked Age of Ultron, oh. the event, oh. 
which it's terrible. I walked into this this event knowing nothing about it, just going, "Oh, it's a Marvel event. I'm sure it'll be fine." Ten issues later, and I regretted every second of it. And all these years later, even still, I remember that. And while there may be worse Marvel books out there, and there may be worse Marvel books I have read, this is not a book I would ever want to go back to. So I had to pick it. Well, I hope I win, Elias, because I promise you that if we win it, I will make you hate that book even more with secret behind-the-scenes things I know about how poorly planned it was and oh, how creatively God. bankrupt. Oh, wow. However, if uh, you win and I lose, um, the book I have selected is a famously terrible comic, which I actually think um, fewer and fewer people are going to be returning to in the future because of how markedly offensive it is, and that is a book called Ultimatum, written by Jeff Loeb and drawn by some jerk, I'm sure. Like, who even drew that? Ultimatum is terrible. I'm going to feel really bad. It's going to be somebody... uh, I, who is to, uh, David Finch? Never mind. I was gonna say, I'm like, it's it's one of the one of the people Jeff Johns has recently worked with over at DC's Black Label. David Finch actually strikes me as um, I have never met the man. I do not know the content of his character, but in terms of his work output, he seems really mercenary. Because I've seen him draw good comics, but he just seems like he's willing to draw terrible things and maybe a little bit too enthusiastic. Which is exactly what happens in Ultimatum, which includes uh, crimes such as cannibalism and squeezing people so hard their eyeballs pop like toothpaste. Oh, that was this book. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. So like a real, so uh, we're going to be doing a stinker of the month for a book club, and Elias and I have picked our poison upon losing. Maybe sometime in the next year in between we'll end up reading uh, Supreme Power. Uh, Supreme Power is like uh, politically uh, controversial as well. Yeah. Um, those other ones are just in bad taste and... <laughs> without a creative merit. But okay, Elias, so um, I guess I'm going to start this off for our top. We're going to go back and forth again? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a that's the best option. Okay, so my first prediction, my Marvel prediction for 2021, is that Mark Wade and Chris Samney will reunite to do an issue. It could be a one-shot, it could be for a miniseries, it could be for a special or something, but we're going to get like a collaboration between Mark Wade and Chris Samney, who worked together in the past on books such as Daredevil and Black Widow, and those dudes rule, and it's a nice prediction. I hope I'm right. Yeah, I'm sure that if one of those series has like a special anniversary issue this year, they will be tapped to do an issue. Yeah, right. I, that's why I figured it was likely to happen. Like definitely for like there's going to be like a Daredevil 4 or 500 or something and yeah, they'll story for it. Yeah. Now, whether or not Sammy will have the time between drawing Firepower and whatnot, we'll see. I don't even know what the legacy numbering of Daredevil is up to now, to tell you the truth. That was, uh, I probably should have looked that up when I was making these predictions. Who knows? We'll see. Well, What's your my, first my first prediction, uh, I'm, I'm swinging for the gates. I'm swinging for the fences. Uh, one of the Fantastic Four will die. I know it's happened before. It has. But I, I feel like every time I read a slot Fantastic Four comic, I'm disappointed. And so I want to see what, see what he would... And this feels like the next step in being disappointed in a Fantastic Four title. You're absolutely right. I was just about to say something similar. Is that uh, I, uh, I am a huge Slot fan. I think Slot's done some of my favorite comics I've ever read. But I know that the dude has some critics. And I have to admit that the Fantastic Four is, his Fantastic Four run is not amongst his best. No. 
Which is unfortunate. Um, so that, and that seems like the kind of hacky thing you'd do if you're struggling to keep your Fantastic Four running, is you'd kill one of them off. So I think that's a very smart prediction. Yeah. It would be interesting if it was Franklin, because the whole Krakoa thing, but... That sounds too interesting. Yeah. Especially after Slot has revoked his mutantness. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I could hear the pained sighs. It's pain size in that I don't really care. I think it's stupid, but I think it's harmlessly stupid. But I know a lot of people are really mad about Franklin stuff. And I personally don't care. I think Franklin's fine. Yeah, I, it's just... It's... Yeah. It's hacky is what <sighs> it is. All right, you're number two. My number two is that we will get the announcement of an uncanny X-Men series. And it's going to be about a superhero team of mutants. Currently in X-Men, there is a series called X-Men, but nothing called Uncanny X-Men. And so that's my prediction here is, there, is we're going to get the un- return of Uncanny and it's going to be about like whatever team ends up being voted for at the end of this election story. Interesting. I can see, yeah, I can, I can see that happening. Uh, so uh, my next is Children of the Atom will be scrapped and New Mutants will become that title instead. That's interesting because, yeah, uh, right now... Because as uh, of now, we haven't heard... Jack Diddley about Children of the Atom, which was Vita's book, and it feels like there are a lot of similarities between what they wanted to do with Children of the Atom, just from the three things we heard about it, and them taking over New Mutants, and I don't know if that was always in the cards, or whether or not this is a temporary takeover of New Mutants and someone else will be coming on. Um... I don't know. This this is an interesting prediction because if you're wrong, we'll know before if we'll know that you're right. That's true. That's when true. The, if Children of the Atom comes out, then you cannot uh, win this one. But if it never comes out perpetually, you'll keep being right. Um, kind of. I mean, if New yeah. Mutants has nothing to do with Children of the Atom, and we never get a touching on that, I'm still technically wrong. Uh, well, the book gets canceled, but it thematically seems like a, I, I think we can make an argument on your yeah, behalf. We'll, we'll see if it we'll even s- matters. Yeah. Um, all right. My third prediction is that Marvel superheroes will team up with a real life person for an out of continuity adventure. I don't know who this person is, but just I think 2021 strikes me as the kind of year we're going to do like a, I don't know, a superheroes team up with an athlete or a comedian or a politician or Dr. Fauci. I don't know. who They're going to tell people to vaccinate. Just like, you know the kind of shit I'm talking about. Well, I mean, if, if good old Ike allows it. Um, well, the, yeah, the, the corporate structure <laughs> of Marvel is quite complex. But I guess I also, uh, I was thinking in good faith, but you could also have them team up with... Um, it could just be like a corporate thing, like they just teamed up with Chris, Thor teams up with Chris Hemsworth for a, a comic that would fulfill this. You could have it just be like, um, I don't know, Spider Man meets BTS. <laughs> I, <laughs> I know, I know they're Peter Parker con- and BTS. Doesn't that sound great? I guess Miles, Miles Morales in BTS sounds more likely. Miles strikes me as a real BTS kid. <laughs> but I, but I, but the comedic potential of Peter Parker as a yeah, K-pop stan. Yeah, Peter would be really rude. He would just push everybody's buttons, and BTS would be really chill about it. I'm sure they're lovely gentlemen. Um, anyway, that's my pitch for what should go down, but it doesn't have to be BTS. I guess if it's BTS, I can get bonus points. Okay, I I will I will, you know. If it's BTS, you get two points. If it is, in fact, Peter Parker and BTS, you get three. 
Um, if you say so, I'm gonna put that in my notes. Please do. Please do, because I really want to see this happen. <laughs> I will gladly lose <laughs> if those points put you over. Alright. So my third prediction. Yeah, what's your third prediction? Just give me... <laughs> I need to compose myself. I, I know All how right. BTS really gets you going. <laughs> Alright, so my pr third prediction is that I think Marvel will launch a new anthology title. Because for the last few years, they've had, you know, every so often they put out a new anthology or whatever, and I think 2021 will see an, another new one. Now, as I'm saying that, I just remembered that Wolverine Black, White, and Blood came out and is an anthology book. And so maybe that makes this point moot. And this one seems a little too obvious to me, but I think we can make it more specific. Like, what sort of anth there's like a, I, a I was thinking something more like uh, Marvel Comics presents. So, like a, a mini series where every issue is a, a, a couple of anthology stories. Yeah. yeah, 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 and where it's not just a single one shot anthology like Marvel Voices, um, which is technically tied together, or like the sub basically. A title like Marvel Comics Presents, where there are two or three titles, or two or three short stories in one. Uh, one might continue across multiple issues, but really, every issue is something else, and it's consistent. It's not just one issue comes out and then nothing happens, or something like, like I said, the, the Marvel Snapshots, which is an anthology series, but each issue is completely separate uh, and or each issue is on a different character instead of being... And, like, that's the selling point of the issue, where it's more like, I guess, an imprint branding. It is an anthology, but... Okay, but so the rules are it's got to be a, a miniseries or longer, and it's got to... Each issue has to be an anthology within the issue. So multiple yes. stories per issue, multiple issues per... Yes, and Wolverine Black, White, and Blood does not count. Right, because that's a, a series of one-shots... No, each okay. each issue has multiple multiple stories in it. It it completely counts within the series, but because it already exists, it doesn't count. All right, so next one you get. It. All right. Yeah, I think that's why we will launch a new one. I also think that they only did this because they wanted to capitalize on the Harley Quinn one and the return of Batman Black and White. Um. Yes, I think you're right. Okay, my next one, my number four, mm -hmm. is. An MCU movie will lose its director. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not predicting the circumstances. I'm not saying if it's going to be creative differences or if it's going to be uh, something more dramatic. I'm not saying if it's going to be Sam Raimi or someone else. Just like someone who currently, as of time of recording at the beginning of 2021, is um, thought to be directing a Marvel movie, will turn out not to be directing that Marvel movie. Yeah, and it will have. Do you want to specify that it will be for? any of the already announced movies and not like they're teasing some new project or like one that's coming out in 2025 and they kind of maybe have a director. Nope. That could count too. If the, I don't think they have anything like that right now. Like uh, if they lose Peyton Reed from Ant-Man and the Wasp, uh, what's it called? Quantumania. Mm. I would, that would count. If Taika Waititi isn't in fact directing Love and Thunder, he's the executive producer is a scheduling conflict. That counts. I really hope Marvel that doesn't happen. I don't have any of these things happen, but if a Marvel... I think all the directors who are announced on Marvel movies are great. But if any of them end up not being the Marvel directors, I get the point for number four. <laughs> all right. So my number four is that Marvel will actually commit 
to diversifying its editorial staff. Not just saying it, not just making smoke waves, they will actually do it. Love the sound of that. How do you measure something like that? I have no idea. And so at the end of the year, if uh, my, my prediction, you know, let's to, to make it concrete, if by the end of the year, the percentage of their editorial staff, which I have no fucking clue how I'll figure this out. I'm sure someone will have done the work by then. Uh, you're going to have to do the work. I am constantly trying to find out who Marvel's editorial bullpen, and that is not publicly available for me. Okay, well, then I may just be slowly seeding this to Jake. <laughs> With each each passing uh, prediction, but I'm, I'm pretty sure, sure. However, mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure there uh, currently there's no um, there's a couple of junior editors who are women at Marvel, but there are no um, there's a there's assistant editors and there's editors at all, and then there's a higher up people with editorial in their title. But I don't think there's any women at the editorial level right now, unless I'm mistaken. I don't um, know. So I could, would have to scour every book. And look well, in the the back, which I may end up doing, compiling a list and seeing if that list changes in any meaningful way, or if it's the, still the same eight white dudes. Yeah, I think that this which is, is a not great... actually completely true, but you know, I'm, yeah, I do know. Um, a little flippant, but you're not. Uh, but the uh, spirit of your comment is uh, correct. Um, we should come up with a specific uh, benchmark for that before. Uh, just yeah, next before time we talk it's about too this. nebulous. Um, but yeah, that's a great prediction. Maybe um, maybe in a couple weeks we'll figure that out. Yeah. All right, my number five is a new superhero will debut during an event, leave absolutely no impact, and then be headlining a series that they market as none. <laughs> Man. Um, recent characters I can think of that might fulfill this are, uh, remember Mosaic? Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a Mosaic series that they said was non-going? That mm-hmm. doesn't... Nope, no way. Um... I can't even think about a time they've done it recently, but it's going to happen in 2021, mark my words. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. How about you? What's I think I think Gwenpool might actually be an example of that, but she had staying power. Because um, she brought, came out of Spider-Geddon, not Spider-Geddon, uh, Spider-Verse. Oh, yeah, uh, not Gwenpool, uh, Spider-Gwen. Both. Both Gwenpool and Spider-Gwen. Oh, no. Gwenpool came about because of the... Of because Spider-Gwen... Because there was all those uh, covers which were celebrating Gwen Stacy. Yeah. And that one stuck. Yeah. Which is a hilarious origin for a character. Uh, what's your number five, Elias? Uh, Marvel PR will put its foot in its mouth over a creative decision. So think, no, Captain America isn't brainwashed when he's a Hydra agent. This is totally Captain America. Yeah, miraculously, they haven't really had a major one. I mean, they've definitely had books that are uh, arguably uh, offensive or problematic in different ways, but they haven't had, like, a, a endless cycle of PR detonation like they were. Yeah, so I've I've got a feeling that 2021 is going to be the year that they royally screw something up. And um, we will hear about it. I think that sounds likely. My next one, and you'll have to tell me, I, I mean, I will explain this regardless, but tell me if I need to explain what this means to you. Uh, but Stephen Wacker will take on a new role with Disney Plus. Huh. Okay. Stephen Wacker? The name is really familiar. Stephen Wacker was an editor at Marvel at around 2012 or nearabouts. Yeah. Um, a, ve- a very exciting editor who was involved in um, Kelly Sudaconic's run on Captain Marvel and Matt Fraction's yes. run on Hawkeye. 
and he definitely had a lot to do with Marvel becoming what it did in the early 2000s and the types of excited he was behind a lot of the exciting books along with Sana Aminat who was another ed- editor mm-hmm. um, but Wacker left to take a job with Marvel TV now I haven't uh, I'm, I'm not friends with Stephen Wacker or anything currently his title according to his Twitter bio is Vice President Head of Content Marvel New Media God I hate I those corporate titles yeah, don't know what that means, but I do know that he has been sort of involved in uh, Marvel's cartoon output for whatever. I don't know what that looks like on the day-to-day, but that's been what he's been involved with since he left comics and went to the t- section of things. I think that there's going to give him a new title, or they're going to say that he's in charge of developing cartoons now for Disney+, and there's going to be a series of cartoons. But whatever it is, Wacker's going to be announced as having a new job or title or something in regards to Disney+. Plus. He's going to start developing content there. I believe it that especially when they're since they're probably going to be focusing a lot more on Disney Plus over traditional movie releases. Yeah, that's part of my rationale. Yeah, uh, my number six. Uh, now I don't really know if this is going to happen, but I I have a, a a feeling in my gut that it might uh, that Jason Aaron is going to step down from Avengers and take on a different title. That's so funny. I came very close to predicting something very similar. Because he's been on the title for a little while, and he's mostly been doing a lot of fun six-issue arc-type deals, but none of it's really been blowing me out of the water. I don't think it's been blowing a lot of people out of the water, so whether or not he'll kind of be pressured to leave the title or if he'll leave the title himself, I don't know. And maybe he'll leave for just a different Avengers title because they'll be like, we want someone else on the big flagship. You can keep doing your fun stuff in. You know who I think they're going to put on the big flagship? Who? Kelly Thompson. Ooh. Ooh. That's, but that doesn't have to happen for your prediction. That's just, no. uh, that was almost my prediction, is that Kelly Thompson would take over Avengers from Aaron. I did not predict that, but I still think there's a, I, I really do believe there's a good chance. Hmm. In that way, where none of us know anything, because we yeah. don't have inside yeah, information, but... Midway through the year, suddenly Jason Aaron will be like, I'm writing three Avengers titles, including this <laughs> one. Have fun. Um, okay, my number seven? Yeah. There will be a comic, an ongoing or a miniseries, that prominently stars... Grogu. <laughs> you might better know that being as a Baby Yoda, dear listeners. And I'm saying Baby Yoda's going to have a role in a Marvel Star Wars comic. I don't know. Um, I don't know if there's going to be a Grogu spinoff series, like The Adventures of Grogu, or if Grogu's just going to like appear in like a Kylo Ren series or something. I totally forgot that Star Wars comics were being published. Star Wars comics are being published. I, Grogu is out there. I don't even know how I forgot that. <laughs> Man. Well, get think, ready for Grogu in your comics. Yeah. Well, if they ever get to that. For full disclosure, I don't have Disney Plus and I haven't watched The Mandalorian, so I don't know where The Mandalorian sits in the Marvel and, timeline. Not in the Marvel timeline, in the Star Wars timeline. Ah, well, folks are sensitive about stuff like that. I'll, I won't tell you if you don't want to. Oh, okay. Uh, maybe not on air. <laughs> yeah, we could talk Mando. Yeah, I, I don't care Mandalorian spoilers, but. Uh, I know others will, and this is a Marvel podcast, and The Mandalorian is only sort of technically Marvel. Yeah, I yeah, I think that's a good, a good outlook. I'm with you. Anyway, so, I think Grogu will be in your comics. That's my number seven. All right, so my number seven is with the Ms. Marvel solo title coming to a close with Saladin Ahmed at the at the helm. I believe that they're not going to let Ms. Marvel stay dormant for a while, and she's going to get a new title with an untested writer or artist. 
Okay. I think someone I new think... is going to be given the reins. Uh, what is untested? Just to put some guidelines for that. So, Like, never done a Marvel book before? Definitely never done a Marvel book before. Or, like, if they did a Marvel book, it was, like, a one-shot or something in an anthology or something that's, like... They may have been gotten done something else, but really this is this is their big Marvel book. So never done an ongoing at Marvel. Never done an ongoing comic at all. No, not not at all. Like maybe they had done a lot of a bunch of uh, indie stuff, but definitely nothing at DC. Uh, and okay, yeah, I'm. I that's my prediction. I think they're gonna they're gonna try to get some new blood in. Um, I think that's wild. I don't think you're right, but I like, but <laughs> hey, good, I mean, I like... Ryan, Ryan North and Erica Henderson, when they were given unbeatable squirrel girl, were both very new to most comics. I uh, guess that's true. They, they had a lot of, uh, they had long success as yes. web comics people. Yes. But, they, but you mean that's outside the industry. So that would be yeah. down for your prediction. Okay. I think these are all fair rules you're setting up. So what's you your number eight? My, yeah. My number eight. Mm-hmm. My number eight is a Falcon and Winter Soldier will spark some sort of low stakes outrage. The the book? No, the TV series. Oh, okay. Um, I was like, the book ended. The yeah, book yeah, was all right. There is a TV Disney Plus series coming out called Falcon and Winter Soldier. And um, not to call anyone out within an inch of their lives, but you know how those Captain America fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, I say this as a... As with a, with Marvel shipping love in my heart, but uh, there there's something about I, that show. I'm anticipating that that show is going to be really cool, and a lot of people are going to have a lot of fun with it. But it's not going to be what uh, certain diehard fans are expecting, and a uh, faux pas is going to uh, become elevated, and some, and then maybe your Marvel PR person will put their foot in their mouth, and then both of us can get our prediction. Well, I was gonna say one can only hope, but like I would I would like no controversy that would be very nice well i specified low stakes controversy so if something yeah. truly tragic or offensive happens i don't want to count this one but uh if it's something um like uh i don't know like a joke that gets interpreted as queer baby or uh, they do something like at the end of avengers endgame where all the uh women uh, superheroes line up and have their moments that uh many critics found unearned Something along those lines, mm-hmm. uh, just like tone deafness, uh, rah-rah, feel-good stuff that completely misses its mark, that would count. And, and people have to get mad. Uh, yeah. be a trending hashtag on Twitter. <laughs> All right. So my number eight is that Marvel won't have a big event before 2021 is over once King in Black wraps up. And X crossovers don't count. Yeah, so X, uh, big event means it's got to have its own miniseries in it, right? Like, so, yeah, uh, it X, is kind of... like King in Black, like Empire, but not like I don't know, Avengers stand stand down, shut down, whatever, or outlawed. Right, outlawed. Wouldn't... What about um? Doesn't uh, uh, Tom Taylor have an announced event? Uh, Dark Ages. Yeah. Oh well. We don't know what that is. We I have guess. no idea what's going on with that. Uh. All right, According to Bleeding sweet. Cool, it is a uh, high-concept, non-canon, uh, also still has not been rescheduled uh, type deal. And I mean, that's, that's, Tom, that's Tom Taylor's bag. That's all true. And that's what... And now we're checking Bleeding Well, that's the first result. CBR no, is next. <laughs> Internet, why are you like this? 
We, yeah. We're over at multiversitycomics.com, which is such a nice website. Yeah, but we don't have any of these breaking news speculations because, uh, you know, we're, we we don't give a shit. Yeah, that's true of shit. Well, my number nine would be breaking news that would make you very sad. And me very sad, too, but I think it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the end of Immortal Hulk. <gasps> no! Yeah, I think Immortal Hulk. It's been going on how many years now? Three years? Four years? Yeah. Um, it's been going on for quite a few years. Um, and it right now... Um, it hasn't been renumbered at all. I think they're going to announce that Al Ewing is moving on to something else. Maybe Avengers. He's taken over from Aaron. Hmm. But I think uh, he's been on Immortal Hulk for a long time. I don't know that the last issue is going to come out in 2021, but the end will be announced. Oh, okay. So you think you think that they'll be like, issue 50 is the last issue or whatever. Or they'll say it's issue 75 and they'll announce this uh, next fall and it'll be like a big six-month uh, lead-up or whatever. But if they announce it in 2021, I get it. All right. All right. Hmm. Okay. I hope you're wrong. I hope you're very wrong. I think he has long, long-term plans. I hope you're right. I hope I'm wrong. But no matter, what's your no number matter. nine? So my number nine is that Outlawed will be quietly forgotten and never addressed again. Because uh, as of right now, Miss Marvel is ending. Mm-hmm. And so there's no more Outlawed stuff dealing with that. Miles Morales really hasn't been doing jack diddly with it since, no, uh, like, having its two or three outlawed issue arc. Champions is going on, but it's Champions. I think in a few months, it, uh, Outlawed is going to be, you know, quietly shuffled away, ended, or at the very least, it's going to just be relegated to just the Champions book. But even there, I don't think it's going to make much fanfare. No other book is addressing it. Like there, We've got the Power Pack mini, which I'm absolutely loving, but that's a mini, and that's an explicit tie-in mini to the whole thing. So no other titles say, uh, dealing with it. After, um, after the Power Pack mini ends, if uh, no other titles are still carrying the Outlawed brand, you will have ones. All right. I think most of them have already dropped it anyway. So I think Power Pack has two issues out out of four. Yeah. Uh, so, so that means in April, there's no outlawed books that come out, and we'll know this in the solicits by next month. You'll have one this. <laughs> how fun! I also, I mean, we'll see what cha- how Champions is looking because Champions is looking so decompressed. Yes. So I'm, um, I may lose simply because <laughs> that happens. Well, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. Going. All right, my final one. Final one. For 2021. Um, now, since writing down this prediction, I some of it has already started to come true. So if you need me to change part of it, I will. All right. But it is. Spider-Man will put on a new costume. People will hate it. And then he'll put back on the old costume. Has he um, started I, to put on a new costume? I just found out that there are solicits for uh, Spider-Man will be putting on a, a really ugly new costume um, in the next couple of months in the... I haven't seen people's reaction yet, but only logical reaction is I hate it. And um, so I, thus, my thing will be perf- fulfilled if uh, there is like an arc where he wears this new costume and then very quietly he goes back to wearing the red and blue. I'm both glad and sad that I removed my prediction of Nick Spencer will do something stupid. Um, that's not a <laughs> prediction, that's a splur. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, um, I'll give it to you. Mostly because right. I'm trying to feed you as many points as possible so we have to read Age of Ultron. <laughs> no, I, I think it's fair. 
uh, because the question is whether or not he'll go back to the old costume within the year. That's the linchpin of this. Uh, okay. Well, thank you for your generosity. What is your final prediction? My final prediction, uh, so I actually changed it about midway through, uh, only because I thought of it and I was like, I think this is going to happen more than... Uh, my original one was big-name non-comics writer shows up and does a book, which I think is a given for every year at Marvel or DC. Uh, but I changed it to the Inhumans will return in a major way. Oh, what this means is we won't just see Black Bolt in the back of an issue or he'll be like a special guest. They'll either get an ongoing or a mini or they'll become recurring characters in a book. Because the Inhumans have been pretty absent for the last few couple years, I think since Death of X. Yeah, they're in time Not Death of X, for, Death of the Inhumans for... by uh, yeah. Cates. I didn't read it. I got bored halfway through. Oh, I read it. It was like an okay mini. Um, it, I... I we could do talk about Inhumans sometime. I know Inhumans are in timeout for what they did in that era where we had to care about the Inhumans. But there was a lot of like cool comics, and I think in five years when we're not all feeling uh, cross about it, still they're gonna slowly bring back in uh, that lady whose fingers are ribbons. She was cool, and uh, Frank McGee, Inferno. There's like a bunch of cool characters. You don't think they're gonna bring back Black Bolt? Yeah, yeah, of course they'll bring back Black Bolt and everybody. Those are classic Marvel characters created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And Lock- Lockjaw, the best pupper. Yeah, is Lockjaw the best dog in the Marvel universe? I don't know. I don't know I'm how thinking, many other dogs. I mean, there I are. love, I love Lucky the pizza dog. Oh, Lucky the pizza dog. Lucky the pizza dog is the only Marvel dog I think I own on a shirt. <laughs> and no one can beat Jeff, but Jeff's a shark. Yeah, he's a shark. And uh, <laughs> Amazing Baby is a werewolf, which is kind of like a dog. Anyway, Lockjaw's Anyways, good. Lockjaw's good. Our predictions are our predictions. And I look forward to getting you or getting trounced by you in 2021, sir. Yeah, we shall see. I have strong feeling that you picked far less contentious Swing for the Fences picks. Oh, I think it'll be fun no matter uh, how it turns out. Oh, yeah, totally. Well, like, imagine us check back in six months and we just come hands folded. So Elias got all ten right. (laughs) Again, I hope so. That sounds like a ball. That would be hilarious. Um, We will keep you posted, dearers, on uh, whenever one of our predictions comes true. Uh, And I had an an 11th prediction, which I don't think will actually happen, but I can dream. And what's that? Ike Perlmutter and Jeff Loeb will be let go by the Disney machine. Um, oh, my God. Are we, do you want to talk inside baseball for a minute? Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get a little inside baseball here as if we didn't already. But this so is really Jeff, inside baseball. So Jeff Loeb is, I believe he's currently, I don't know what his title is, head of Marvel TV. Does that sound right? Uh, he was ousted from head of Marvel TV. Does he currently uh, still have a title with Marvel? I, I believe he does. He's still there, but... I don't be- I believe that he was taken off of TV because of like they was just being taken because Disney was bringing stuff to Disney Plus. Right. So uh, Jeff Loeb, uh, for, uh, who don't know his whole storied career, um, was a Marvel writer and wrote the book Ultimatum, which is my least favorite Marvel book that I don't want to be made to read again. <laughs> um, he then went on to become a Marvel TV executive. I know people who have worked on some of those shows. And by and large, it seems like he was actually a very effective manager at a very uh, chaotic workplace uh, the, on those Marvel Netflix shows. But I know his the allegations of racism were, uh, if not shocking, certainly disturbing. And Marvel has scaled back his involvement. 
my point being, Jeff Loeb is like a really uh, tortured, complex man who I would really love to see quietly into retirement. That guy does not need to be determining the course of the Marvel company. Yeah, in my opinion. I I think his time has has come, uh, and it is that it. If they didn't release him after those allegations came out uh, for, you know, ethical reasons, then commercial financial reasons being he's probably the reason Iron Fist was so terrible. Um, there's a lot of reasons why Iron Fist was probably terrible. Scott Buck doesn't seem like a great maker of TV shows. In no, my experience but either. Jeff Loeb definitely didn't help. Or why yeah. the future seasons of Daredevil were not as good. Um... But that's well, also yeah. trying to ascribe all the problems of something to one person, which is... Yeah, and I don't yeah. think his personal racism was actually, like, very impactful on the creative direction of all of those shows. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. It, probably on some of those shows. But um, yeah. I think it was uh, impactful in who got hired, for example, and that's heinous. That's, like, way... And that's way more important on, like, uh, yeah. what's, uh, what, like, script decisions got made. Like, people's jobs were at stake. That's the best reason to lose your recording it over other people. Yeah. Um, and then we've got the person who probably is less likely to be leaving. Uh, well, Perlmutter, I don't think anyone truly understands the like depths of his legal entanglement. It's so complicated. It involves old contracts that were done in like shady, cocaine-fueled ways in the early 90s. Did he take over during the, the bankruptcy? Um, I, I need to go consume a uh, copy of Marvel the Untold but no I believe he took over shortly before the bankruptcy and uh, uh, his uh, part his excesses were part of its cause mm. oh because he was he was the co-owner of, of Toy Biz yes and um, I believe he bought it out um, yeah yeah but Perlmutter is um, a famously odious force in the Marvel and Disney companies and um, is deeply entangled. I mean, I don't know. They would have to buy him out at this point and uh, to excise him. And there's just like no good solution. Either he's going to be making a salary for the rest of his life or he's going to be given a golden parachute as much as the salary he would have in his life. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and that's kind of dour, but that's uh, two bad people who work for the Marvel company who Elias and I have hopes that maybe things will look different. But we don't want to end on that dour note, right? Correct. And on a different note. And that's why I said it here and not in <laughs> however many minutes. Yeah, we got one last segment for you guys today. It's time. Ring the bell. Break out the... I was going for a boxing reference because that's not wrestling. But title... What What are they called? The, the, the round numbers. The round numbers? You know, one, two, three... You hear the bell, they come in. Oh, oh, I don't know that there's a... I'm not a boxing person, I'm a wrestling fan. Anyways, other wrestling terms. It's time for the inaugural Marvel Heavyweight Championship of the World TM. Uh, this one's not inaugural. The inaugural one was the first one we did. I mean, this, this year is the inaugural... Well, this 12-month period. Well, my champion uh, started off as Daredevil, and Daredevil was a long, long-reigning champion. Um, but last month... Was it last month? Yeah, it was last time. Um, last month, Daredevil was, uh, or in the last episode, Daredevil was finally unseated by me. Has that has that unseating remained? Um, Daredevil is not uh, again my champion. <gasps> if that's what you're asking, uh, it is. Um, what are the no? Deeps? So last, oh right, I was just reminding myself. So last month, Shang Chi took over. Um, <laughs> oh, this oh, so then it's not Shang Chi again. 
Yeah, so and Shang-Chi uh, did not uh, hold the title for more than um, a short reign because Shang-Chi has been unseated by Power Pack, which I'm now realizing, looking back at our notes, was your last month pick, actually. It was. Um, Power Pack number one was a delight and just, like, such a surprise, and Power Pack number two was just as good, and that series is amazing. So, after much deliberation, and even though I have yet to read that second issue... <laughs> I still wow, have nothing. power pack. Everything that I read this month, even though I adored X Factor, power pack number one stuck with it, and I just could not forget it. That's amazing. That's uh, this is the first time this has ever happened. It's uh, both of us have the same champion at the same time. Yeah, power and this pack is probably is the belts. first time that I think I've actually had two months be the same because I think I always flip flopped even though a lot of them were Immortal Hulk, to the Immortal Hulk one-shots. Yeah, that's incredible. So Power Pack, this is a huge uh, victory for Power Pack and probably one of the most storied champions that's going to happen in our burgeoning league of Marvel books. But um, I I love this feeling where it, Power Pack, I've read old Power Pack comics and some of them are really fun, but, you know, I, I wasn't like, where's Power Pack? Power Pack is an important brand to Marvel. And then this is, the series is so good. I'm like, why is there ever a second when there's no, they're not publishing more issues of Power Pack? <laughs> yeah. I, I love the sibling dynamics. I love that they're lying to their parents and have to have secret identities and make up excuses of why they have to keep ducking out and fighting villains. I love that it's like a hilarious Ryan North book uh, where he... Um, does you haven't read the second issue yet but there's a whole part where he has to explain how power plants work and there's all these hilarious diagrams that are like legitimately educational and then nico leon is the artist and just amazing work power pack is truly a champion among champions it yeah i don't have much else to add uh other than i ryan north is the king of edutainment at marvel <laughs> and i wish that i i think i put this in our end of year prediction uh, or wish lists for Marvel that they would... No, this was last year. That they would publish more uh, all-ages titles. And Power Pack's really the only one at this point. And I'm sad that it yeah, hopefully. is. We need more books like Power Pack from the Marvel line. Because Marvel action at IDW is fine. But, like, Power Pack is something for everyone. And it's so fun. Power Pack would be an amazing core to a whole lot. Yeah. So, well, I don't have uh, much else to say. I think we talked we... X Men, we've talked prediction, and we rightly uh, heralded Power Pack in as our first. Yeah, we'll see if next month is able to hold it or if it's knocked out by someone else. Yeah, I can't wait. Um, in the meantime, Elias, if people wanted to find you beyond this podcast, oh, but first would... we got to remind them. Got to remind them next month, next week, next next oh, episode. Right. Next episode, we've got our book club. And our book club book of the month is Moon Knight by Jeff Lemire, Greg Smallwood, Jordi Belair, and a host of others. It is 14 issues split across three volumes if you're reading in trade paperback or one hardcover if you're able to track it down. Find it at your library. I believe it's on Hoopla. Uh, if it's not, hopefully... It is on Hoopla. It is? I can confirm it is on Hoopla. Sweet. It's on Hoopla. Great comics. So if, you're, if your library has that, use that. If not, see if they've got it uh, in print. Otherwise, Marvel Unlimited does have it. Sigh. I really hope I like this one, Elias. I'm excited to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That just sounded so canned. 
<laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. When I read that book, I'm sure I'll react very strongly to it. So where the, can they find you on the larger interwebs, Jake? Well, if you want to hear me talk about comics or other things, I do that on my Twitter, which you can find me at rambling. Moose like the animal, rambling like someone who talks too much. And uh, I'm a contributor to multiversitycomics.com. It's a pretty great website. And I write a monthly X-Men column there called Mutantversity. Hell uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan as well, Elias. Thank you for the boost. If people wanted to find you, where might they do that? They could find me on Twitter at Quetzalish. That's Q-U-E-T-Z-E-L-I-S-H. I'm only slightly wishy-washy, and that name is only slightly too salted. And they can find me <laughs> writing over here at multiversitycomics.com as well. And I believe at this point I will be a couple episodes into Riverdale, my um, continued coverage. And so maybe I'll finally find out what happened on these damn VHS tapes. Uh, <laughs> but that's going to be most of my year. I'll also finally, I may have only one more week, but I'll be done with Tower of God, which... Oh, this has been an ordeal. Can't wait to read about it. I can't wait to write it. (laughs) That's about it. Thank you all for coming. We will see you in a couple weeks. See you on the flip-flop, folks. Bye.